Hey everyone, welcome to another week of Alt Protein Weekly Live with myself, Sonali Figueres, Editor-in-Chief of Green Queen Media, and joining me as always is Steve Molino. Hi, Steve. Hey, Sonali. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's busy. I'm I'm excited. I think I mentioned last time I'm going to be going to the Plant-Based World Expo in New York tomorrow and Friday. Oh, next week you can share everything that you tasted and found out. That's that's the plan. I'm going to eat a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How were the plant-based burgers on Labor Day? They were good. It was, I, I tend to go back and forth on like old school veggie burgers and then sometimes throw in like an impossible burger. I had, I had both of those and they're both good. They have different value props, but I was, I was happy with them. I think the the win was that my, my four-year-old tried one of the more old school burgers, which in essence is just a bunch of whole plants smushed together. And he said, I love this. This is the best thing I've ever had. So I think that's a win for, for the parenting side of me. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I could go for a burger. Um, I haven't had one in a while. It's time. It's time to maybe this weekend I'll scratch that itch. Um, you gotta indulge. (laughs) It's been, um, it's, it's been an eventful week in plant-based, um, not as many company announcements, but a lot of news overall, just industry stuff. Um, So the big story this week is uh, the Good Food Institute, which is the leading industry think tank for alternative protein. Uh, They released a report showing that the U.S. plant-based meat sector is worth $2.2 billion in sales across retail, food service, and e-commerce. So this like follows the Plant-Based Foods Association's report about retail sales. But what's interesting is they really zeroed in on food service and, um, the sector saw an all-time high of 730 million in sales. So sales are up in food service. And what's interesting about this is a lot of times in the media when um, plant-based meat and and other plant-based product sales are reported, we're usually getting, especially in the US, we're usually getting data from spins, which is mostly retailer data and not really involving the food service side. So it's interesting to see what's going on on that side of things. What what did you make of the, the data? I think it's good information and I'm happy that we have this type of breakdown or breakout between retail and food service, which to your point is not always what's talked about. I think it's positive to see that food service sales are increasing, but the I, I'm trying to cut through the hype here, right? I, I, I'm bullish long-term. I'm, I'm hopeful that this in, continues to increase, but I, I do want to call out that 730 million in sales for food service in the U.S., that's incredibly, incredibly small. So it's good that it's growing, but it's incredibly small. And then also on that, to just keep it in mind or stick stick with reality a little bit, is that even though the sales have increased, that's really come from price increases. The actual volume of plant-based meat in food service that's been purchased has been down. So, um, or maybe that's total sales. The overall volume, the pounds that were, were sold has has been down. One positive thing to leave it on or that stood out to me for, for this is that while all of that is true, what I just said, and that's we have to keep that in mind, the actual prices for plant-based meat have been coming down on a, on a, per, on a per pound basis. 
So I forget what, how much it says that the price per pound for plant-based beef, beef has come down by 11% uh, since 2019. That's a lot. That's only four years and it's dropped by 11% while the, the price for traditional meat has, has gone up, right? So, so if that, that keeps trend, happening, this is good news. Yes. And it needs to, it needs to keep happening. That needs to be the trend. And that's what we expect, right? Because we're just going to keep getting more efficient production processes and innovate across the supply chain. Um, so that will be good long-term. Um, and I like seeing that, but got to keep things in, in perspective with, with the overall long-term goal. Yeah. Another thing to, to talk about in food services, and this is what I hear from when I speak to restaurant owners or, or menu designers and, and chefs is, you know, things are tough in the restaurant industry globally. Um, you know, food inflation is up. Uh, supply chain disruptions are making things more difficult. It's labor is, is really hard. Uh, it's a hard problem to solve. I mean, it, it's, it's just a tough business out there. Um, and people are spending less on food. Of, of course, you know, the more fast casual stuff and the fast food stuff is doing better, right? The, the more affordable stuff, but overall people are, you know, managing their purse strings a little more conservatively and this is happening all around the world but what i'm hearing a lot is that plant-based is really a way to make sure that menus are inclusive and that you are not losing what someone the other day called the vegan veto where mm -hmm. you have a group of people going out to eat and if there isn't a vegan option they're going to go somewhere else where there is one so i still think it, food service is a bright spot for brands and 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 plant-based meat and seafood and dairy suppliers and that it's just offering that diversity of choice that that inclusivity on a menu you know those options yeah i i fully agree the vegan veto is definitely something that actually happens in the real world it's not <laughs> just a hypothetical idea um and i also think just with food service in general when when someone who actually is well-versed on how to cook something. So a chef working in the background with a product, they're probably going to make it better than most people would, would make it if they did it themselves at home. So the overall experience with the plant-based product is, has a better chance of being really positive if it's in food service uh, than just selling direct to consumer or in retail. Yep, absolutely. Um, what else stood out to you in the news this week? Yeah, there's a lot, but I think the the, the highest, or the, the one that came top of mind was the the news on Eat Just, so plant-based eggs. So it said that um, Eat Just got a short-term funding boost from Veg Invest slash Ahimsa Foundation. And it, so it's about 16 million or, or that's what they, we, we think it is, right? It's, it hasn't been really confirmed the amount, but it's, it's said to be 16 million to work on costs and logistics to make them profitable. So this is interesting for a few reasons. One, Eat Just is basically the only real player in the egg space. And when I say real, I don't mean that the other companies don't exist or they're not really good companies. But right now, from a sales in the marketplace, it's almost 100% eat just, but it's like 99% eat just. So right now they're the, the player in, in plant-based eggs. Um, and if they are raising 16 million to get to profitability, I think that that's something that 
other companies in the space should take as a signal to maybe what they should be focusing on sooner rather than than later? Um, because I've heard that it just has upwards of 50 plus million in sales. Um, and if they're not profitable at that level, um, then that's worrisome. They have to make it, they have to make it work and have to make this long-term sustainable. So that's something that stood out. The other thing is like, and you and I have talked about this, eTrust has raised a ton of money, a ton of money, like 400, 500, 800 million, right? So depending on the sources that you find, Crunchbase is something, the, the companies say something else, but upwards of $800 million for this company with some of that siphoned off for their cultivated meat arm, good meat. So for 16 million to be the amount that was raised and have that be meaningful, it's just not expected, I guess is what I'll leave it at. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like you would have expected this to be another hundred million dollar raise or what did the $16 million signal to you? Well, it's really important that to know that when just contacted us about the story, they did not include the amount um, and they did not comment on the amount. The amount so we'll was- say, We'll say alleged, alleged 16 well, million. Well, <laughs> the amount was published in Bloomberg by who, who first reported on the story. And the amount was commented on by one of the principals at Ahimsa. Um, so that's how that the amount got got involved in the story. Um I think, you know, it's it, it's it's tough times for the industry. And certainly everything you said is is what what you know what I would want to say about it and think about it. it it's th there's not a lot of kind of transparency around um you know the amount and you know on what terms and and for what purpose it it felt to me like what i what i read between the lines was that they needed some uh, an injection to work towards a, a goal of, of of becoming profitable on on the egg side um it's not entirely clear also if some of the money is for good meat the cultivated side um some people reported that it was um but again, not entirely clear. Certainly, um, the CEO, Josh Tetrick, made comments to a journalist that um, Good Meat really needed to also raise more funds for a facility, for it to, to grow a, another facility. So they're, they, they, you know, they've got a lot on their plate and it's two very capital intensive companies, especially Good Meat. And having gotten the approval, I'm sure things feel like they're speeding up. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that it's just a tough time in the industry. And, you know, even, even the bigger companies that are established and that have scale to some extent, um, are, you know, are feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my hope is that the 16 million, I'm just going to assume it's all for the egg side. That's just kind of the, the feeling that I'm getting, but my hope is that this is, um, a really a true bridge to profitability, right? Um, because I don't know, I don't, I never saw anywhere that a, this is a bridge round or anything, but it feels like a bridge. Um, and I hope it's not a bridge to nowhere. That's what I always say with with the rest of my team at at, at my firm, where we don't like to do bridge bridges to nowhere. Where if we if if you raise a bridge round, is this going to put you in a position that is actually on a better path, or is this just kicking the can down the road and then? 
when the money runs out, you're going to be kind of in the same position. So I hope that this 16 million is really what allows them to make the changes necessary to their cost structure to get to break even and profitability, because that would be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, nobody said bridge, but what I meant more was just, it felt like this was an injection to get to where they wanted to go. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 in the, the investor have supported each just throughout their journey. So this is not a new investor. So right, right. this makes sense, right? That, you know, a committed investor would want to support one of the companies that they, that they've backed, you know? Yeah. And that does mean, in my opinion, that they still believe in the company, the team and and the, the vision because um, most investors, if they don't believe anymore, they're not going to invest. So that's, that's really, that is a good signal. Absolutely. And there's no doubt that eJust has a phenomenal product and has cornered the plant-based liquid egg and folded frozen egg market. I mean, in it's just, yeah, they, and they're everywhere, especially in the U S and they're even abroad. And it's, it's, it's a very good product. I think the only only thing that needs to happen is price needs to come down for the consumer. Oh, I was just saying that it's cost competitive. That's interesting. So like, I see them as actually at a pretty good price, at least near me. And I'm comparing that to just other conventional. Well, they've, they've done huge work to bring that down in the last few years, for sure. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. abroad, it is more expensive just because okay. of logistics. But um, and, and also eggs are much cheaper in other countries. So it's it's a bigger delta. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, if you're comparing it to like a really high quality egg in the U.S., it's probably you're saying it's very competitive. Yeah, I mean, it used to. So when it first came out on retail shelves, I remember it being around eight ninety nine for the the bottle of liquid egg, and now I can always get it for five ninety nine, and it's not uncommon to see it for four ninety nine if it has a little bit of like a a discount um, or coupon or something, and that's that's really in line with with eggs, at least where I am in in the U. I'm on the East Coast in the in the U S. That's awesome but, to hear. Yeah, but but moving on from that, what did you find interesting in in the newsletter? Um, yeah, and one of the other big stories was this uh, coalition. It was re- first reported on by Adweek in the United States. So basically, um, it sounds like leading U.S. plant-based food companies are are looking to get together and form a coalition. And the idea would be to put out marketing campaigns that are similar to you know the dare big dairies got milk or um, you know, similar to kind of like what the beef checkoff program does. Um, and one of the reasons is, of course, all the negative media coverage coverage that's been happening about the space. Um, the article had, you know, certain people from the industry quoted, but it, it wasn't clear, you know, who was in the coalition and who was running it and um, whether it was going to go ahead. And certainly some, some, there were certain people that were quoted as having doubts um, but it it's certainly interesting and certainly something that's needed. The the key point is, you know, the the reason that Got Milk works and and things like the beef checkoff program works is because the industry is really aligned and they're all kind of in with each other. And I, you know, I the beef checkoff program, for example, where you basically as a beef producer commit one a certain percentage of your revenue to this program. And then that program goes and does campaigns on behalf of the industry. 
So that seems great. But the problem is, are plant-based companies all in a position where they can commit that revenue? Yeah, I think, so I, I love that you brought this up because it, it stood out to me too. And the point that you just made is a really good one because beef producers, generally they're in a good position, right? And they have been for a long time. They could spare a little change for, for some product or brand agnostic marketing, just something for the entire industry. Plant-based companies that we're sitting here talking about individual companies who sometimes, are they going to make it? How are they doing? How do their sales look? Are they profitable, et cetera? So taking some money, a percentage of revenue, um, which it has to be revenue, it can't be percent of profits for most of these companies because they're not profitable yet. That could really hurt them. So what I would hope is that the companies that are able to spare some some costs for this and maybe they shift a little bit of their marketing budget which could be upwards of 15 20 percent of their overall revenue maybe they put a little percentage of that towards this group or this coalition so it won't be brand specific but it'll be industry specific and the reason i think it's important is because growing up in the u.s i can still think of the actual commercials and the celebrities that were involved with the got milk campaign and i could still mm -hmm. see the milk mustaches on their faces and i grew up with that that's just very normal and it's hard to shake that so you think milk is good and it's with the people that i think are really cool the top athletes and celebrities i'm i'm not saying that that, that it's the right way to go about it but i'm saying it was definitely impactful at least at that stage so if it can be done in the plant-based space or alt protein space, I think it can be really, really helpful. Um, and I think to your point, the key point is, I would love to see the plant-based industry align with each other first, like working together as opposed to acting as, as competition amongst themselves. Yeah. Off what I've, I've heard about rumblings about this coalition for a while, um, over a year and had different people speak to me about it and talk to me about having been in conversations. Um, my understanding is that, you know, there, there are some challenges with, you know, alignment of objectives, alignment of narratives, and yeah, just general agreement between different parties. Um, and I do want to understand, you know, is this something that, you know, something like Plant-Based Foods Association could be doing, right? How, mm. how, what, what are the different, you know, GFI versus PBFA versus this? What are the different kind of responsibilities of each of these? Um, and this felt very much like just plant-based, but I had also heard rumblings that there would be a more, a more kind of global alt protein one that would include all of the different verticals. But my understanding was that was really hard to get off the ground because you know different verticals have very different objectives in the market that's cultivated yeah that's really interesting and a global one seems really hard just because there's such cultural differences depending on the geographies but i mean i i meant more globally for the industry it was mostly americans but i mean some mm. companies straddle multiple markets but the idea was like precision fermentation and you know cultivated agriculture and plant-based but i think they are quite different and so maybe it makes more sense for each vertical to kind of do their thing yeah no that's an interesting point and all i think is 
if all the companies don't align, but a big group might, I would say don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And I would tell that group to to go for it. And yeah, they kind of have to front the cost and for marketing that could help the whole industry and others benefit when they're not paying into it. But um, it's it's in the best interest of the space. So I would love to see this. So hopefully this actually does move forward in, in some capacity. Awesome. Um, well, I think in terms of what else, what else stood out, what, what's, what's one of the positive stories that you liked that we can kind of, um, end on as we always yeah. do. Yeah. A positive one is like, we, we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast at this point, but it's, I guess, good that we can keep talking about it. So in the macro food news section of the newsletter, um, two of the main bullet points were about different government bodies in, in different geographies supporting sustainable food in some way. And I think that that's really important. So the first one was that the UK government um, announced plans to create a new 15 million pound sustainable protein research hub. Um, and it says that's the largest single public investment uh, that the UK has made into this space. That's great. Not that much money. It reminds me of the uh, of the um, the cultivated meat grant that's at I, I think it's at Tufts University in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and it was either ten or fifteen million uh, U.S. dollars. But even if it's not a ton of money, it shows real support and it's it's pushing things forward. And then the second one was uh, that in South Korea the. Ministry of Food and Drug Safety, they published a, a revised food code and it includes verbiage and new standards for meat alternatives. Um, so it, it just shows that this is being incorporated into their new policies and frameworks around around food overall. Um, and that is hard. To, it's hard to get that stuff included in, in, in government policy. So if it's in there, that's that's good for the long term. And hopefully just it leads to a, a continued um, effect for how they can how they make policies going forward. So I think that that's really positive, and I like seeing that. Absolutely, and um, we've said this before on this podcast, and let's say it again: Korea is absolutely a bright spot, um, and lots of, there seems to be lots of stuff happening there on the cultivated side, on the plant based side. Government seems to be getting involved, and you know, Asia often does not take enough of a center stage in discussions, but. As always, it's where a lot of the population growth is happening. It's where a lot of middle class income population growth and demand is happening. And it's where a lot of the governments look at kind of long-term food security planning with plant proteins and, and alternative proteins figuring as an important part of the solution. No, definitely. I I, I agree. And I love seeing it and hopefully we keep seeing more, but all I know is the rest of this week, I'm, I'm excited to report back to you on what I thought of plant-based world. There's going to be a lot of food. Some of it's probably going to be amazing. Some of it I probably won't talk about because <laughs> it might not be, um, but it should be a fun one. I can't wait to hear what you have to say next week. And maybe, maybe you'll try the Shake Shack. I mean, oh, I'm Shake Shack. I know. So actually on that, I am planning to try that on the 22nd of September. I'm going into the city. I'm meeting up with some people, but then I'm having lunch with two other other investors that I love 
in this space. So one is Beatrice Franco. She's oh my god, I love Vera. her. I know you know her. She's amazing. Um, and the other one is is Kristen Roca. So she's with Atlantic Labs out in Berlin. Um, so they are just two awesome people, great human beings. And they said, "Where should we get lunch?" I said, "We're going to Shake Shack." <laughs> I love this. I love this. Oh my god, can you guys? zoom me into that lunch what oh that'd be amazing <laughs> um I should be at that lunch I love this oh gosh that's gonna be fun I can't wait to hear all right well next week more exciting food updates from the all protein world from me and Steve um make sure that you follow us on Spotify and we're now available on Apple Podcasts as well we're also on Google so get, get following, get liking, and thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.